And thank you, Milligan. Turn with me again to Exodus 14. And we want to pick up where we left off last week. And as you turn to Exodus 14, uh, I must say that I am so glad to see so many uh, out of sickness and house arrest, I mean quarantine. You've been set free. And that is free indeed. Uh, and it's a real life uh, analogy and picture of what we're going to look at this morning. It is no mistake that God has given us the word to go forward. And let me tell you how much we need this. Not because I'm saying it, but because God says it. The executive director of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board called me this week just to check and how things were going uh, here and around our area. And he asked me, he said, what would you preach on? And I shared with him, and I thought he was going to shout over the phone. And uh, I thought, well, that's good. He, he liked what, what we're preaching on, and it kind of validated a little bit uh, what we're doing uh, but several hours later, my phone rang with a number that I did not recognize. And uh, it was a Georgia number. If it was an Alabama number, I wouldn't answer it because they'd want to extend a warranty that's been long uh, non-existent on my truck. But I answered it. And it was the new editor of the Christian Index, the Georgia Baptist newspaper. And he said, Thomas has told me about the message. And Man, I, I got on fire just listening to him repeat what you told. He says, is there any way that you can put that in a format uh, and break it down and we're going to run it all the month of January in the Christian Index? And so if you subscribe to the Christian Index uh, online or whatever, it should be coming out the end of this week. Uh, but God has a word for us here today. And that word is real. And that word for us in 2021 is to go forward. Now, can I give you a quick snapshot into my past week? So we preached last Sunday morning, and it was great, and we were excited, and, you know, we were energized, even though the numbers were down because of what's going on in our society, and especially in our community, and a lot of people sick, a lot of people having to uh, quarantine because of it, and... Yet we were energized by God's word that God has a plan that we may not be able to see and we must go forward. We got out of that Sunday night, Monday, uh, talked with several different staff, getting ideas. We began to pin stuff on paper. Andrew and I sat down for about three hours and started writing some goals and vision for what we wanted to do. And by lunchtime Tuesday, we were having to close the two-year-old wee ones, cancel basketball. And I ended the week yesterday at this exact time yesterday in a celebration service for one of our brothers who is in the presence of the Lord. Satan does not like to hear what we're preaching. Even more, he does not like to hear it repeated in the lives of believers. He is doing everything he can to stop us from going forward with Christ. I mean everything. And we must open our toolbox. You know, down there in the bottom, 
not the adjustable wrench, but that all elusive 10 millimeter. We've got to find all the specialty tools and we've got to dig them out to use for the cause of Christ that we may go forward. Listen, it has been said, you have what you tolerate. You hear what I said? You have what you tolerate. Tolerate a child's behavior, reap a rebellious child. Tolerate an unbiblical lifestyle, reap a sinful society. Much like the Hebrew children in Exodus, we have a choice. We will, will we tolerate the constant erosion of religious liberty and the all-out attack on Christianity, or will we stand in and for truth? Never in our lifestyle or our lifetime has this been more real. You're going to have to choose. What will we tolerate? Make no mistake, we are in the fight of our lifetime. But be encouraged. So were the Hebrews. And though they stumbled along the way, they did enter the promised land. Amen? Listen, we don't stop reading in Exodus. We continue in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And we see God's people go in and conquer and take the promised land. Christian, this is not all there is. Now, I want you to chill on that for a minute. As I stood here yesterday and celebrated the life of Mike Rogers, that's when we understand and we really think about it. But today, this morning, is no different than yesterday. We're worshiping. And we know that there is a far country not made with earthly hands. This is not all there is. Now listen, I may not be your favorite preacher, and I may not preach as flamboyant and as well as others, but there's no greater gospel than what I preach, and that is, this is not all there is. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to languish in a sinful world for all of eternity. He died to set us free. And church, God is challenging us that in this day, we must go forward. Our promised land is only a breath away. We must remain faithful along the journey. We must continue to go forward. He said in Exodus 14, verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. We could stop right there and not go any further. But we covered that last week. Let us move on. He said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. Forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Quit whining. 
Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Listen today as we follow up on the message that was begun last week. We talked about how we must go forward without fear. He said, do not fear. He said, go forward in the promise. Go forward with purpose and in his plan. God has a plan for our life. Too often we're too busy to see it. He said to be still, to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But this morning I want us to look at how we must go forward in faith. Turn back to chapter 2 with me again. Chapter 2 verse 23. And it says, And it came to pass... In the process of time that the king of Egypt died, the rulers were changing. The times were changing. The family and the rulers that remembered Joseph and what he did for the land. Do you remember Joseph was number two in power? Now they're slaves because Pharaoh had died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of of the bondage and they cried and their cry listen to me their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage they cried now look in chapter 3 verse 7 and the Lord said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. My friends, today, as we begin again today looking at going forward, we must go forward in faith. How? Well, it says that they cried unto the Lord. We must pray believing. Not just praying to be praying. Not just posting praying. Not just some emoji of praying hands. I'm talking about real life real business, calling on the throne of God that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The problem is the average Christian doesn't even understand what prayer is and how it works. Prayer is the most underutilized thing in the Christian life. We will cry out, oh, I want to learn this and I want to do this, and we'll repeat all kinds of devotions, and we'll quote all kinds of people, but are we calling on God to speak to us? And praying is not a one-way street. It's not us just saying we're praying, and it's not us just saying, God, I need, I need, I need. It's God, speak to me. Speak to me, God. I need to hear you. I don't know about you, but if there's ever a time I've needed to hear from God, it's right now. Right now. We all have our opinions. Can I tell you the honest truth? Number one, nobody really cares about your opinion. Number two, most of the time I don't even like my own. If I think about it, someone told me the other day that they went to post something and they left it right there without hitting the blue arrow. They didn't hit sin. And somebody, they asked, said, what do you think about this? They said, go home, pray about it. And if you're free to do it tomorrow, then hit the button. Tomorrow they came back, they looked at it, and they said, nope, 
delete. You know, sometimes we need to stop with the opinions and say, what does the Lord say? What does God have to say about this? We must pray believing. The problem is, they forgot they prayed for this. Now remember, they're standing on the brink of the Red Sea. The dust cloud was coming that Pharaoh's soldiers and the horses were pushing toward them. They could hear the rumble of those chariots and the neighing of those stallions. And knowing because they had lived there for 400 years, they knew the weapons that the Egyptians had. And they knew it was certain death. And if they went forward, hey, some didn't swim so well. They didn't have time to go to the left and there was nowhere to go to the right. It was hopeless. Or so it seemed. And they forgot they had cried unto the Lord. I know for many of us here today, life seems hopeless. And it feels very helpless. But my friends, none of this surprises God. Nothing. We're not helpless. And we're surely not hopeless. Can I tell you something? There are no ventilators in heaven. Can I tell you that the greatest vaccine of them all, and I'm not against vaccines, I'm not against, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is whether in life or in death, we are victorious in Christ. Paul said it. Whether I live or whether I die, I live or I die unto Christ. We've prayed, God use me, God show me, God move me. He said in verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Can I encourage you with something? Don't doubt deliverance. Don't doubt. Don't quit the night before God makes a way. I've seen marriages quit the night before God moved. I've seen lives remain the same because they refused to move into the next day to trust the Lord. They have refused to take the steps necessary to follow the Lord. Some as the Water spread, we don't know, but we could almost guess that as the waters parted and they stood there, some of them probably said, I'm not going in there. As soon as I go in there, all the water is going to close. I'm not going. And somebody's wife or mother probably said, you're going, you're going to like it. And there probably had to be some poking and prodding. I don't know about you. I don't enjoy that, but I'm glad somebody cares enough to do that for me sometimes. Because without the poking and prodding of godly parents, godly grandparents, Sunday school teachers and adults 
and friends who cared enough about me to poke me and prod me and help mold me and use me, God would have left my giftedness as a castaway and said, hey, you've made your choice. I don't know what my life would have looked like without some poking and prodding. And you know who pokes and prods the hardest? The Lord. He tells us in Revelation, he tells us other places, that chastening is from the Lord out of love. When we are in need of correction, the Lord will correct us. I don't enjoy it, but I'm glad he loves me enough to do it. Amen? Listen, if we are praying, believing, I mean, they prayed for it. If we are praying with the same faith, hear me today, everybody that's watching today, Hear what I'm about to ask. If we are praying with the same faith that we use to get to worship and to serve him and to follow in his calling, how much do we really believe? Well, I just don't know about this. What is there to know? God's God and you're not. God's got a call on your life. And no one else can put that calling on you. The highest calling of all is being centered in whatever God's call is for your life. My call is no greater than your call if it's from the Lord. And yes, we've got to be smart. And yes, we must use caution. But we must above all things believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And if we must go alone, we must still go. Lord, teach us to pray. He tells us that. Only one apostle asked that in Luke Chapter 11. Said, Lord, as Jesus went to pray, one said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did the Lord do? The Lord gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it is a model prayer for us, not for Him. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, above all of this nonsense, above time, above everything that is a problem and everything that dies and everything that's sinful and everything that's broken. He's in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, reverent, shall be thy name. And here's where it gets tricky. Thy kingdom come, It don't have a period that does it. Thy will be done. You know what? God's will sometimes goes against your retirement plan. God's will sometimes goes against your preferences. God's will sometimes goes against your popularity. Sometimes God's will goes against family. He tells us that. That there'll be parents against children, children against parents, siblings against one another. Listen, some of us are experiencing that. But take heart. Because God has a plan. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only should we pray believing, but we ought to pray receiving. Some of us pray and then when God gives it to us, we don't want it. 
You know, it, you've heard the old story, the guy in the flood, and he's praying for God's deliverance, and he sends a, he sends a car, and then the water rises, and he sends a big jacked-up four-wheel drive, and he said, oh, no, God's, God will provide. And then he got, gets on up, and he sends a boat, and he said, oh, no, God will provide. And then he gets up, and he's on the roof, and I don't know what he was expecting, you say, oh, that's a fake story. I know it's a fake story, but how real is it? He gets on the roof and they send a helicopter and says, last chance, the water's rising. And he says, oh no, my God will provide. And he drowns. You say, well, if that's a true story, he was a fool. How many avenues have God, has God given you, but you want it written in the sky somewhere? You want God to mysteriously do something that's got some kind of trickeration to it. When God is giving you basic everyday methods to deliver you from the situations you're in. Sometimes it's medicine. Sometimes it's event. Sometimes it's separation. But it's always worship that honors him. When we pray believing, then we must pray Receiving. It's not our prayers. Hear me now. It's not our prayers that move mountains. It's our God to whom we pray. We're not sovereign. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Thank God he does. Thank God he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and holds the deeds to all the hills. It's him that moves mountains. It's him that can stop the clock and back it up. It's him that can darken the world in the middle of the day. It is him that can raise the dead and part the waters. It has been said that we must trust the process. Can I challenge you today? What we must do is trust the processor. Y'all with me? He said in Hebrews 11, That hall of faith that we read about. Now I'm going to tell you, don't read it and just read it as a history lesson. Read it as a challenge. God is challenging us to be Jacob. God is challenging us to be Gideon and Rahab. God is challenging us to be Abraham and to be Moses. He's challenging us to step out because he begins by saying, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Verse 6, he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Look in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There was a deliverance for a season to deliver him from certain death as a baby. But as he grew, he didn't belong in Pharaoh's home. And he trusted the Lord. Listen, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. We must get off this train of comfort and thinking that our lives must be 
circled about and supported by the comforting things of words and people and the ways of life. Whatever society says goes. No, my friends, God is unchanging. He tells us in Hebrews 13, 8, He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We're serving the same God of the dark ages. We're serving the same God of Martin Luther and John Calvin. We're serving the same God of St. Aquinas and St. Augustine. We're serving the same God as Peter and Paul and John. That's our God. My friends, we must pray receiving. He said here in verse 26, esteeming the approach of Christ. How did Moses know about Christ? Long time before Christ. But he understood faith and deliverance. In God's word, the Holy Spirit taught us that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Can I tell you something? You know this in your head, but I want it to sink down in our heart. There's nothing going to go on in Washington, D.C. that can separate you from the love of God. Now that does not mean we run and cower. We must stand for what is right. We must stand in faith. But we must always remember where our reward cometh. For by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. My friends, yes, COVID-19 is real. So is God. COVID-19 is temporary. God isn't. COVID-19 is limited. God never will be. He tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Always. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. It's not always our Father which art in heaven. It is a heart for prayer. It is riding down the road, conversing with God. Can I tell you something? You don't even have to close your eyes to pray. Matter of fact, if you're riding down the road, if you're a college student and you're headed to class and you're in your car, I would advise don't. Pray with your eyes open. And you may, and I, I will challenge you to do this, but on Wednesday night, we, we were looking at the postures of prayer and kneeling and laying out before God. Do you know that I never, ever throughout Scripture found a single supportive Scripture for praying hands? That everywhere the hands were clasped together, it was done by a cultist group. It was always spoken of in false religion form. But when we pray, it's with the lifting of holy hands or laying flat on our face in humility as we understand our place before God, decreasing that he may increase. My friends, we must be constant in prayer. Pray, trust, go forward. We must go forward in faith, but we also must go forward in the fight. 
And make no mistake about it, it's not our fight. It's his fight. It's the fight of all time. It's the fight of Lucifer saying, I will be God, not you. I will be exalted, not you. That's the fight you and I face every day where we want our way over God's way. We're doing the same thing Lucifer did. It is the war between the flesh and the spirit. And I don't care how long you've been saved, you're going to face that fight. Because Satan does not like, me and uh, Emily and I had this conversation this week, Satan will not bother you if you're no threat. But if you're a threat to God, I mean, a threat to Satan because you stand with the Lord and you're trusting God to use you and move you forward, then Satan's going to unleash all hell on you. That's why he said Moses endured. But the Bible says, greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. He says that he, you have been made. Hear me today. I want you to live in victory. You have been made more than conquerors. We study the great conquerors of history. Alexander the Great, he's dead. Napoleon Bonaparte, he's dead. General Patton, and he's dead. We've studied the Bolshevik Revolution. We've studied the Chinese and the Japanese. We've studied all these great kingdoms of Persia and the Medes and the Greeks and the Romans and all of those empires have fallen. But my friends, the throne of God remains the same. Go forward in the fight. He said in verse 14 of chapter 14, the Lord shall fight for you. Period, exclamation point, any questions? The Lord shall fight for you. And may I paraphrase? Just be quiet. Becky outlawed shut up in our house, so I try to be proper. But God says, what? I'm going to fight for you. Not only am I your heavenly father, the creator of the universe, but my son is your big brother. And he whipped the whole world. He whipped Satan with a big stick and nothing could do to stop him. Even when they thought they had won, they lost. You see, going forward in the fight means we surrender to succeed. The world says fight harder. It doesn't matter who you step on. Don't matter what you do. Do whatever you got to do to win. I'm here to tell you, that's why I love golf. Yesterday watching golf, there was a guy that hit a ball. He says he chose the wrong club, whatever. Hit it up. And with these big sloping greens, it hit right up on the edge of the green and it rolled all the way back. And as it rolled back, he turned because the ball was rolling over here and he looked down and he says in disgust, he kicked some grass divots like that. When he got to the end of his round, the PGA official says, we got a problem. He said, what are you talking about? He said, number nine or number 10. He said immediately, and I listened to the interview, he said immediately I began to go back through my mind, well, I hit this off the tee and I hit my second shot, and I, I was mad because I did this, and then I ended up chunking that shot, and it rolls back down, and then they showed him the film. 
The only thing that saved him is the ball was from here to those steps from him. And so I don't, there was no intent, but the rule says you can't do anything to improve your lie or possible shot. And it verged on a penalty. Well, he was leading at the time. And they ruled that there was no intent. But the rules of golf is very, very clear. And golf is guarded by the golfer because many times you're by yourself. And the worst reputation you can have in golf is to be a cheater. I can remember when Emily was playing in high school, we all went to the region tournament and we had our coaches meeting and we all gathered around. And as the coaches meeting and the rules for the day was discussed and finished, as we began walking out, a couple of coaches said, come here. And about six of us coaches went off to the side. Not all, just some. And as we gathered over, one of the coaches says, listen, I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but last year and the year before, we've had a problem in one of our schools that's here cheating. And I said, yes, I know. He said, it's not going to happen this year and we're all going to make sure. So if your girls or boys are teamed with their team, then you make sure that they hold them accountable. Well, we didn't have that many playing, and so I followed Emily around, and uh, by the time we got through about six holes, I began to call Emily the golf Nazi because this girl had no idea what the rules were, but her coach had failed to teach her and so she was doing all kinds of things, incurring all kinds of penalties. And we just couldn't let it go because it had cost us a spot in going to the state the year before. You see, there's rules in place. God has set rules. And we must follow them if we're going to find out what God really has for us. And in doing so, we must surrender our right to feel like we ought to win. I don't know who's going to win tomorrow night. Ought to be a good game. Have no idea. I can tell you that whoever has the most points will. But I do know somebody will whine about something. Somebody didn't call something. Somebody wasn't offside. They shouldn't have looked at that replay. How could they have missed that call? Oh, that group's got everybody paid off. Y'all know how nonsensical that really sounds. The truth is whoever has the most points wins. But this ain't football. This is Christianity and we must give up to win. The Bible tells us God's logic is not our logic. To get up, we've got to get down. To win, we've got to give up. We must surrender to succeed. Joseph did it. Think about Joseph. Man, God said, you're going to rule over all your brothers and everything else. Next thing he knows, he's in a pit. Sold into slavery. And then God raises him up. He's living the life of luxury in Egypt while his brothers are starving to death. And then somebody lies, accuses him of rape. He knows. And I always go to this scripture when my kids said, Daddy, I got in trouble or they made us all do this and I didn't do it. I said, Joseph didn't either. God may have a plan to use you in a great way in this. Be humble. And don't whine about, it's not my fault. God knows and you know, and that's what matters. Y'all with me?
Now don't teach your kids that and live a different life. Joseph surrendered. Moses surrendered. Elisha. When Elijah came to Elisha, he said, come, follow me. He said, well, I got to do it. He said, well, then just stay here. He said, no, 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 I'm coming. He surrendered his way of life. He killed the oxen as a sacrifice before the Lord. He broke his plow up for the altar. He gave it up and then he called his friends to eat of that feast to show them this is what God's call is on my life. Elijah said, stop here, I've got to go here. He said, oh no, wherever you go, I'm going. If it's to Jericho, I'm going. If it's to Gilgal, I'm going. If it's across the Jordan, I'm going. And he went all except for that last journey. And God blessed him with a double blessing. What are we missing out because we won't completely surrender? But when we do, have you ever got to the point where you just said, Lord, there's nowhere else but up? You know, so I'm surrendered. But then your mind goes to racing. Can I tell you something? Rest in his power. Relax in his presence. That's what he meant when he said, hold your peace. But, 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 no, there's no buts. I'm in control. Yes, God, but you don't. I know. I know how big the Red Sea is. I've measured it out. Guess what? I put the sand around the sea to keep it in. Bible tells us that. I made all the fish. I made the dry new ground. Matter of fact, I made you out of that dry ground. And guess what? You're living because I breathed into it. Don't tell me. I'm God. Hey, right now, let's, let's, let's do something. Y'all looking at me? I want you to do this with me. As an exercise of worship. You ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. God did that. That's the breath of life. Just breathe. Breathe the breath of life. Every day in your life, breathe. And think about it. God, you're giving me breath. You're giving me energy. You're giving me strength. Let me rest in your power. Because listen to me. There is no place safer than in the center of God's will. I know we're all facing uncertain days. I know. Listen, I, can't, I told somebody this morning, I can't tell you how many times that I may have been around a situation, hear about it or something, and then get home and go, see if I can smell, see if I can taste. <laughs> Grab a peppermint or take some coffee. And go, yeah, I'm good. Grab one of them nasty candles that I can't stand. Oh yeah, I still smell that. I'm good. Listen, I don't know. I may get it. Some of you have had it. And I don't know what would happen. It affects everybody differently. But what I do know, you say, well, it's fine for you to say it. You hadn't had it. No, but I've had kidney stones. And I'm not saying it jokingly. So bad that I said, God, if you choose to take me right now, I'm not going to be mad. I've been through several different kinds of surgeries. And I've had the flu so bad I thought that I had died and nobody told me. I mean, I've had strep throat so bad I, couldn't sw I wouldn't swallow for an hour because it hurt so bad. 
You say, still, no. I, but I was born, and not long after I was born, isn't that amazing I was born? Some think I were hatched. But for two years, I was a very sick child. I had asthmatic bronchitis, double pneumonia, had to stay in one of those breathing tents for several weeks as a baby. My mother said my grandmother would come and all they'd have on is a diaper laying in there in this tent. My grandmother would say, he looks cold. And when the nurse wasn't looking, she would grab a blanket and reach up under the tent and lay it over me. I had the chicken pox. I had the measles. I, anything you could just about get, I got in those two first years of my life. He said, but you don't remember it. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. But God's took care. Look, thank goodness it stunted my growth. Because I don't know how big I'd have been. But I thank God that no matter what happens, we can rest in his power. Aren't you glad of that? Listen, go forward in freedom. Look at the end of the chapter, verse 30. Thus... The Lord saved Israel that day. He saved them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. My friends, can I tell you that we must go forward in freedom because we have been set free from bondage. When God saved you, he set you free. Listen, chains have been broken. Strongholds have been torn down. He said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not sinful, but our weapons, what God has given us, the spirit of God in our life, the word of God, are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Every chain has been broken that Satan may hold us out of glory. There's nothing he can do. You see, he may oppress you, but he cannot possess you because you've been bought with a price. Amen? You're not your own. And so we've been set free from bondage. Listen, what kind? Physical bondage. We must let go of learned behaviors. The pre-understanding from growing up. Well, but my grandma always said, grandma wasn't always right. You ever had to correct something that you thought was the gospel? And I'm talking about like it was absolute. Somebody taught you and you realize, oh, that's not so right. Some of the legalism I grew up under, I realized, hey, that's man's conviction. That ain't God's work. Let go of learned behaviors. Let go of not only the physical bondage, but the mental bondage. Grudges, anger, unforgiveness. Don't go back. Think about it. When they got out into the wilderness, all, some of them, all they could say is, oh, if we'd be back in Egypt, we'd be eating all the good stuff. The good old days wasn't near as good as they thought it was. Don't go back. God's called you out. Don't go back. Go forward. God didn't give us a back on our armor. He gave us armor on the front for us to go forward. We must go forward in freedom. 
set free from the physical bondage, the mental bondage, and the spiritual bondage. This is damaging dogma. And the current dogma is that we are to compromise and be tolerant of everybody else's uh, way of thinking and every way, everybody else's way of believing. But I'm here to tell you, we don't say amen and a woman because number one, that's just incorrect Hebrew. It means so be it. And I can't say so be it to so much ignorance. It's the dumbest thing, as dumb as some of the stuff that's been done in Washington, that is the dumbest. My friends, know God's Word. Know what God is telling us. And we must stay away from the damaging dogma of who the coolest new writer is and the coolest new thinker and the coolest new blogger. We must stay with the good stuff. My friends, we've got to trust the Word of God. What does He have to say? And then we must go forward on the mission. Acts 1, 8 tells us that, doesn't it? To go forward. He tells them, He said, wait and wait, just wait until the power comes. God says, the power's here. And so what is that power of the Holy Spirit in our life? Calling us, saving us, leading us, moving us, empowering us, guiding us, giving us rest, giving us comfort, giving us peace. The Holy Spirit indwells you, believer, sealed into the day of redemption. Therefore, because we have received the power, God has called us to go to our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. First of all, they were to go for it on mission because as they went out through the plagues and through seeing their faith and trusting their God, the Egyptians would know that the Hebrews' God was the God, not Ra, not the sun God, not the God of the pyramids, not the God of the afterlife of the, uh, the dog soldiers and, and the cobras and the sphinx and all of their false beliefs. They went forward on mission that the Egyptians would know. God showed the Egyptians who he was. You remember when they started out, they threw the rod down, it became a snake. And the magicians did it. One that blows my mind is when they turned the water into blood and then they did it. I don't know how they did it, but, you know, I don't know how they made the Statue of Liberty disappear that one time because it didn't disappear. It's all sleight of hand and illusions. But then when the lice came and the frogs came and the hailstones came, when that death angel came, they knew it was for real. God was exactly who Moses told him he was. My friends, do you believe God is who he says he is? That the Egyptians would know, but that the people in Palestine would know. That's our Samaria. We're to go out that the world would see that our God is God. That Washington, D.C. would know that our God is God. That America would know that God is our God. We must be on mission. 
We must be on mission in Claxton. We must be on mission in Evans County, in Bullock, in Tattnall. We must be on mission in the state of Georgia and around us. We must be on mission in America because God has called us to. But then that the world would know. Do you, do you think this spread? Do you think the world heard about this? I'm going to tell you something. As long as there was a barber shop and a beauty shop, I can promise you the word spread. The world heard what happened in Egypt. And still to this day, all over the world, they grasp, Muslims believe in it. Do you know that? They believe in that. The Babylonians believe in it. You can read the Gilgamesh epic. You can read the Torah. You can read the writings of Babylon and other historical documents from thousands of years ago. And they record this episode because the Hebrews went forward on mission. Listen today. Going forward with God means choosing sides. You hear me? Going forward with God means choosing sides. Going forward means being uncomfortable. I just don't know about being around that many people. I, don't, I, I just don't know about, listen, people are dying and going to hell no matter what is happening in the world. It has not slowed down. If anything, it's increased. And we need to increase our efforts to reach the lost. Y'all with me on that? People need to hear about Jesus. We must go forward. And it'll mean being uncomfortable. Going forward means turning over our boundaries and our limitations to an unlimited God. Will you today give the Lord your all? And go forward with him. Parents, will you say, my family's going to go forward. 2021. Teenagers, I'm, I'm going to go forward. I've got decisions to make about my life. In my home, we're not honoring God right now. We're going to come to the altar together and we're going to covet with, covenant with God to go forward, surrendering your life. Surrender to succeed. As they come to the instruments this morning, I want you to ask yourself, am I saved? Am I surrendered to the grace and deliverance that is Christ? Are you still locked up in spiritual bondage, doomed to die, separated from God? If so, why don't you come to this altar and trust Jesus as your Savior? Christian, for too long you've limited God. You have followed everything that you feel like you want to do in this world to succeed, but you have not told God, yes, I'll go forward with you. This must be your answer. Will you be able to say these words? The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, I'll follow 
Him. If that's your prayer today, why don't you do it publicly and come to this altar and say, God, I don't want to take another step. I don't want to live another day in 2021 until I come before you and surrender that I may go forward with you. Stand and come. Come to Jesus today.